Sports Talk Hour number two of a funky Friday. And we will funkify until 6 p.m. and give away to the Chicago White Sox. Last hour, we visited with Matt Daniels of the News Gazette, Jim Polson from the Wisconsin State Journal. Why not new- visit with another newspaper man? The World According to Bob Osmussen is coming up. And then Michael Martin, who's not in the newspaper business, but he is in the football sideline business. And we will chat it up with our friend Michael Martin one week and one day from the start of college football season for Illinois. By the way, a week from tonight, our high school football coverage will begin on our sister station, Light Rock 97.5, our high school game of the week presented by... Both Light Rock 97.5 and the News Gazette. Joey Wright on the call for the Cola Wars. Arcola and Tuscola. Speaking of Tuscola, segue, traffic note. uh, One of the lanes is closed on I-57 South near Tuscola. Mile post 2016, grass fire down there. So there's a big backup on I-57 southbound by Tuscola if you're headed that way. We've got uh, plenty to do here in this hour. Cubs win today. They beat the Brewers 8-7. to seven. Cubs are just having fun playing baseball free and loose. So are the Cardinals, who are very much, of course, in the important part of the season. And the White Sox are also in high-stakes games now. The White Sox will play Cleveland tonight. Cardinals get Arizona. Miles Michaelis on the hill. Albert Pujols is in the lineup. There we go. Who's who's pitching? Uh, Henry, I don't recognize the name. Maybe no, it's another silhouette lefty. on the on the headshot. There's no actual on the website I was on. So N- I'm guessing he's kind of new. New guy. Oh, we do, we got a picture on, on mob.com. Okay. He is he is indeed a lefty. So I I guess it makes sense. But I'm still I, I'm still in the camp of play him every day. I mean, why not? Let's get to 700. Yep. I am just like Mister Three Thousand. You know, he's gonna <laughs> hit it and then he's just gonna walk off. Why did Mister Three Thousand not have three thousand when they fir- when he thought he did? Because they counted like a doubleheaders hits a couple times. Oh, uh, so uh, it wasn't like a scoring decision. No, it like, was. We, we found the video. We've decided that should not be a hit. Right. They counted. They they counted some hits multiple times, and so he had to come back. It's been a while since I've watched that one. It's been a long time since I watched that one. Oh, all right. And you P. recommended Hardball. I got to get to that. Yeah. Also. Before we don't get to this, untold, have you been pulled in by this? I haven't watched them yet. Well, last year, yeah, big time, or maybe that was even during the pandemic when they released that first group. Were they all sports related? Yes. Okay. Because this year, I was intrigued by, this is a Netflix series, um, and, and, and it's I think it's a different name on the same old formula of looking back on some incident. Yeah, it's in, just his, a, yeah, it's just like a, a sports documentary, a, a of retrospective. Sorts. Yeah. But uh, what was the NBA Tim, the NBA referee who Donahue, Tim Donahue, looking back on that, and it sounds like he basically says, "Yeah, that was not a smart decision to mm-hmm. bet on NBA games when I'm refereeing." <laughs> and then the Monte Teo saga is coming out when he was catfished. Yeah, I watched that one. Poor guy. You did see it. I did. Is it good? Yeah, it was. It, it, it's funny, you know, I, I was even grown during all that. I was in high school. I remember it all happening, but I don't remember the fallout. I just remember you found out that his girlfriend wasn't 
real and then you're just like oh oh that's awkward and then it just kind of went away and they they got they dive way into the backstory and the fallout from it, it, it it's good and all the ones the the last series that they did were good they had one uh, about a woman boxer um one about a minor league hockey team that was run by the mob uh they, they've done they've they've done a good job with those it's all sort of quasi or for sure crime stories yeah right? some something controversial surrounding yeah, or it. unethical or Ill- yeah. illegal or against the rules type of thing I can't, there was another one Fraudulent. it was like a trainer was i don't know if he was like gambling or if he was just like uh abusive or something like that but yeah all all good and Really got to got to get that viewing in, and you, you mentioned baseball. We got the Little League World Series going on. They'll do the big game on Sunday with the Red Sox and the Orioles, I believe, out in, in Williamsport. And then Monday hits, and it's all football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> every every sports channel that you turn on will only be talking about football for the next six months. So we won't we'll, be any different in uh, a large part of our conversations will be dedicated. To oh it yeah. As well. Yeah. Everybody, especially, you know, around here, Illinois football, it's all, all we've got once, once summer ends. So I'm excited. Brett Bielma talked about the close of football camp. Uh, yesterday was their final practice. Today, a mock game, and then it's uh, officially into game week kind of mantra. Uh, started Wyoming prep yesterday, full throttle. Uh, got, got a little bit of work in on Indiana and kind of sprinkled it in during the course of the week, but overall stayed very healthy. Um, uh, T-Rob probably got back with us on Tuesday, and he's been with us all week. Slowly getting him back in has been really good. Um, had a couple guys kind of limited this week, but I think on Sunday we won't miss a no, we won't miss a person. Um, uh, uh, t- uh, Donovan Leary had a small procedure done. Um, that'll have him out for about two weeks, but he was doing really well. But uh, he'll be he'll be out for the two weeks and, and move forward. So with that, open up for questions. Does it feel like, other than install, there's a point where the team can't learn anything more until they play a game? Um, I get the point. No, they can learn every day, right? But but um, I think they're kind of the point where you want to get into preparation and guys want to play against somebody else. And uh, for me. Um, as a head coach, I think you even get this way a little bit as a coordinator. When you see guys playing at a high level um, and you realize how big a jump they've made from a year ago, you kind of want to see it in a game situation. And on the flip side of it, you don't want to, um, you know, you don't think negative thoughts, but you absolutely don't want to lose someone uh, that you know is playing at a high level in a practice situation. What have you learned about your team through three weeks of evaluation? Yeah, it's a good question. So I think, I know last year I said, hey, I like the way these guys are responding and talking, but it's just, it's, it's, it's just everything's deeper, right? Um, uh, in any part of life, right? The more you get to know someone, the better off you understand how they think, how they act, how they walk, how they how they're going to react to adversity, how they're going to work to uh, criticism, how they're going to react to uh, positive comments. So, um, obviously, there's some new guys that we're still learning, but I just think overall, offensively, defensively, and special teams, and we've had transition really on offense and on such teams. Our guys just understand it a lot more. I went through some game scenarios. Uh, whether it be end of game, start of half, first play of a series, just our guys seem to get, grasp what we're asking that much better. I am fascinated by the topic of how players learn and what they actually know about the sport they play when they become a Division One athlete. You know how we're always talking about baseball. You, you can see a thousand games and never see whatever thing just happened. <laughs> Because there's so many, and when do you like internalize the game? And you realize 18 year olds may be very skilled at it, but they may not necessarily have internalized the flow of a game, the rhythm of a this is a key series, this is a key, this is a huge opportunity here to take advantage of. 
last year Brett Bielma talked about football 101 and how he and, and my first reaction was they need that they need that I'm not belittling them I'm just going oh yeah they they're still 18 and grasping bigger pictures of the flow of a game and what's really important is not necessarily present for them immediately well we see it we see it most often in in basketball right it's just that when you move up to that next level for for so long these guys were just bigger faster stronger more athletic just the most talented guys on the floor and you can get away with talent in in a lot of things that's what the the games at the end of the day are talent based but then you have your Wisconsin's right who are are they've got that high IQ they understand the the ins and outs they they recruit those kinds of players and those were a lot of the notes that we were seeing on the freshmen that that have been stepping right in and making an impact was that they came in with high football IQ they they learned more they they had the ideas and the concepts down in high school whether that's their coach whether that's you know they did independent study kind of kind of things but it, it translates the same way, you know, especially football. If you're just bigger and faster than the other team, that's really all you need in football, right? It's your your strength and your speed, and, and you get across the goal line. So you can get away with that a, a lot of times, and then you get here, and it's like 201. Maybe it is football 101 for, for a lot of guys, but you're getting to that next level, and there's just more education information to, to gather. If you ever get coaches kind of in an off-the-record moment, you'll get them to say – yeah, that's when the game was lost. You know, not that I, I, you know, when this thing happened in the game, that's where things turned, and uh, and 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 not that, not that it's hopeless after that, but they can kind of feel how the game's direction is going to go. And I've seen this movie before, mm-hmm. and it can sometimes it's just, uh, you know, a review. We got overturned on a review, and and you could just see the wind come out, and I just knew this, or or we had an opportunity right then to go for the jugular and we didn't and then that's when it cost us baseball you'll talk about if you if you score the the, it's huge don't give up runs in the next Mm -hmm. half inning not that any pitcher walks out there and goes well I'm just going to give up some runs (laughs) now but realize oh this is pretty important here for the momentum and the psychology of a game and 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 you realize that really skilled athletes don't necessarily just fall off the tree ready to understand all those aspects of the game. Yeah, that's and that's why you can't go with just the, the on paper. That's why, you know, the cliche, we, we play the games because everything does come out eventually in the wash, talent and scheming and, you know, just, just playing the game, and that's why it's fun. That's how last year Illinois beat Penn State yep. on the road in a tough environment. Penn State just didn't execute some certain things, and it – kept turning and and Illinois defense clamped down enough but you kept going back and forth in those nine overtimes I mean <laughs> Penn State's probably looking at that it was lost opportunities that mm-hmm. didn't didn't capitalize that's how Illinois beat Wisconsin as an underdog three years ago you know it was like why are you throwing <laughs> uh, but a key pick you know kept Illinois alive and then you're able to hit the game winning field goal it's all those kinds of things that's fascinating on the ins and outs of- imagine I mean, I, I don't know if there are very few fantasy football drafts coming up this fall where Jonathan Taylor isn't going to go number one overall, and Wisconsin decided to pass it on third and three or whatever the heck that was. <laughs> you know, and if he gets tackled in the backfield for a loss, well, you know, it, it looks somewhat questionable, but... Who made that pick? I should know this. Tony Adams? Was it? Yeah, was it yeah, Tony yeah, Adams? Yeah. That sounds right. The world according to Bob Osmussen... 
Bob is here. We're continuing to talk to people who work for newspapers on this funky Friday. Back after this. Illini family, this is Brett Bielema. You've got the home of Illinois football. News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. Break that drought. There you go. Into the right field corner. It is a fair ball and a home run. And Michael Massey's first big league home run. So he's on the board. And the Royals' scoring drought is over. That was from last night. Kansas City Royals television audio there. And a nice moment for the former standout Illini middle infielder and second baseman. Gets his first dinger. And he did it at the Trop, where everyone dreams of playing in the big leagues. But he got his first home run. Uh, What's that? I've been there. And, well, somebody else who's been there today told me it was a, quote, dump. It's a dump. Mm-hmm. But it was cool. The Rays were great when we went there. It was fun. There, there it was a great, great story there. We're sitting there with some – it was White Sox, uh, Red Sox and Rays. My son was a Rays fan at the time he changed his mind with the Rays. And my there was a guy, Red Sox fan, behind us yelling, going nuts the whole game. <laughs> Halfway through the game, my daughter, who's three at the time, turns around and punches him in the knee. <laughs> <laughs> and, and his girlfriend, fiance, wife, whatever, just went nuts. She loved it. She thought it was the funniest thing. Ever. She basically said, "See, you're bothering her." You know, it was so great. We'd always tell that story. It was pretty cool. Florida man, a Florida man. Um, the in case you're wondering why the Royals announcer was so subdued, it was six nothing at the time of the solo home run in the eighth inning. Right. So the game felt out of hand, and the Royals had gone 33 innings without scoring a run. So I think it was a little bit more of a relief. Thank, thank goodness we finally scored one. <laughs> and then a big dramatic moment. But that's a, they get the way ball. to go, kid. What if they get the ball from? I would th- – they try. They usually try. They send somebody after oh, it. Yeah. And we know it didn't leave the park. Well, right. <laughs> and you know that place particularly um, – probably not, well, it was probably a decent crowd because they were playing well. But, I, I yeah. Former – Former Parkland uh, standout Kevin Kiermeyer, who's patrolled center field there, field there for so long, it sounds like he may not be with the Rays after this year. Right. So he he had made some quotes that you know he wants to keep playing, but I think the Rays might be done with him. Uh, f- phenomenal defensive outfielder, and uh, just uh, had a couldn't stay on the field enough. Yeah, so, because so, he kept running into things. Yeah. So speaking of first home runs, you guys probably didn't see this because you're not Braves fans. Vaughn Grissom, Braves mm-hmm. second baseman, rookie phenom. First, his first home run was at Fenway. He hit it out of the park. He hit it literally out of the over the stands. I think out I of the did park. see that. It yep. was awesome, and and they got the ball. That was what made me, made me think. My Messi, they got the ball from, got presented it to him. Wow, Th- thought that was pretty cool. He's going to be there for the, like the next fifteen years, hopefully. So he's, he scored from first on a single last night. I saw. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. They have a team. They're so young. I saw the stat. I think it was Dave O'Brien on uh, who was right. The Athletic. They have the most home runs of any team with four players under twenty-five mm-hmm. in the majors by far. Austin and, Riley carrying that. And their team record belongs to the team that had Hank Aaron in it on in fifty-seven. For all the teams 
for all the thought that is, is that power comes later. We've got a lot of young players oh, now yeah. that can just kill it. Lauren says it all the time. The baseball players, that's what is probably so frustrating for people to understand with, with the changing of how ba- like batting lines look is these batters are bigger, faster, and stronger than they've ever been. I mean, think about the guys hitting at the top of those Cardinal lineups in the 1980s. I mean, they weighed as much as I do wet. Like, they're just <laughs> some tiny dudes, whereas everybody, like, you're not making it to the league unless, you know, Jose Altuve's 5'4", but, like, he's a solid, you know, 160, 170. Like, he's a well-built guy. He's not just a, a punch and Judy out there. Oh, yeah. There's no jelly donuts inside Jose Altuve. No. That is all beef. No. <laughs> why, uh, Bob, just curious, having hailed from Omaha, um, did did the Royals ever attract you? They did. I was with them for a while, but Aaron thing kind of overwhelmed. Yeah. I, so I, I became the Braves fan early. I was a Braves fan. I probably, you know, I went to the Royals games occasionally and rooted for them, but not not the same way. Atlanta just kind of stuck with me, and Hank Aaron was such a big deal to me as a young kid, so... When you see that 7.15 go out of the park and you're watching it with your family on the first black, black first color TV we had, we're watching the game, it's pretty pretty awesome. You don't see that as much with baseball, the fans going out of their market. You think about it, like NFL fans, so right. many people are Steelers fans or Rams fans or Raiders fans or, or whatever. With baseball, you know, right around here, you, you find a Braves fan, that, that works because they were on TBS, but, right. you know, there's not going to be a there random a of them. Mariners fan or, or a, a Giants fan unless you've got some kind of ties to the area. Mine is not a TBS thing. It's, it's totally, not. Totally Hank Aaron thing. Just Hank so Aaron. So it predated, they weren't even on TBS when I started. Oh, okay. Them. So it's totally ahead of them. So it's all Hank Aaron. Without him, I would not be a Braves fan. I would, wouldn't mess up my life now because I'm literally watching the whole game like on my phone, paying attention. I'm never watching the game live. I watched the playoffs last year. But other than that, I'm not watching the games live. I just pay, I look at my phone see how they're doing. Watch and they win. Don't watch if they lose. <laughs> By the way, did you want me to bring up Marcelo Zuna just got arrested oh again for DUI? Oh, okay. okay, so Sorry. this guy, no, it's fine, but you'd think – after all the toll he had last year and basically survived it, to think to yourself, hey, how about this? I'll go out drinking and I'll drive. Somebody, and my son today said, couldn't he hire somebody to drive him around? And the answer is, of course. Yes, of course he could and should. Call and Uber? I'll call Uber, hire, pay. How much money is he making? A lot. You can pay for somebody to drive you around. There is no reason for any athlete ever the, the salaries they make to get behind the wheel. Well, there's no reason for anybody ever to get behind the wheel when they're drinking. But especially those guys have mm-hmm. no excuses. So uh, shame on him. I wonder if they'll get rid of him because he's not hitting anyway. Mm-hmm. He's got 20 homers, but he's not. He's hitting like 213. This might, this might be an excuse for them to say, mm-hmm. you know, you had the thing last year. You, you went on and drank. Why would you do that in the middle of the season? It's just crazy. You know, he could for a could have could have hurt somebody badly, could have hurt himself badly. Fortunately, somebody a policeman was there and pulled him over. It stopped. It kept a total disaster from happening. But I just don't understand why he would do that. This week, Bob. This week, Bob. Uh, you were asking players about how they were watching college football growing up yeah. as the media deal comes down and. 
I think you unearthed something with Alex Palczewski. I he he said he wasn't until he was a junior. He told right. you that he that he first knew what college football was. Right. And I thought he was pulling your leg. No, I knew he wasn't because we had sort of touched on this before that he was not a big fan, but not like to that that extreme. So I put that in the article today about kind of this whole thing with the TV deal, and he was pretty open about it. And he's, he he gives some nuggets, but the main thing he said was, "What a great deal for the Big Ten." He was very impressed by the, and he knew about he didn't did know about that part. But you're right when he's a junior in high school. All of a sudden, he goes, hey, what's this Big Ten football that I hear, I hear about? He was, he was a soccer fan. Hmm. So good for him. Good dude. Something I saw, we brought up Omaha, and we brought up queasy things. There was something about Scott Frost being proud that his offensive linemen were puking like 10 to 15 times a practice. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it maybe with, with Michael next, but... For for Stay all of the for more vomit for all of the the good things that we heard when we talked with the uh, Nebraska port reporter last week that still doesn't sound like Scott Frost is figuring things out there in Nebraska. Well, who knows what's going on behind that? Um, it, it's kind of an odd time there because they need to be better this year. Now they were close last year. They're the probably the best three nine in the history of college football was them last year. They should have won seven or eight games probably. They didn't. They kept having. They were snake bit. Really, they were. I hate that term. I don't think it really ever applies to sports. But in their their case, they actually were. So I think either he's not supposed to be the coach there, and they need to move on, or they'll get it figured out this year. All that suffering, I I, I can tell you, people people there are you not used to this, and they've had four or five years of really bad. And there's been some other – Alabama went through a brief stretch where they weren't used, used to Alabama. To Alabama. They hired Saban and get fixed. <laughs> so there's a person out there. That place loves college football. There's a place – there's somebody out there that can fix them. I thought it was Scott Frost. Might not be. Hmm. We'll see. So who's going to win the West? I think, I think Iowa. Oh. I do. I think their – I think their defense – and I think Purdue has a chance. But I think Iowa, their defense is so strong. Offense is going to be pretty average. But I think their defense will be so strong. It'll be hard for them to lose. Plus their schedules. I worried about this for them all. Their schedule is embarrassing. Uh-huh. The non-con. Horrible. So. I, I, look, I, think, I don't think Illinois will win the, win the West. But I wouldn't be surprised if they're more than just mathematically in it. When November starts, that wouldn't be surprise me. I think all the Big Ten yeah. West teams could be. We'll know a whole lot after two games because if they beat Wyoming, Wyoming like you think they will, and they beat Indiana. Then you'll think, okay, they got they got things going the right way. Good chance. Of course, they lose one or both of those games is a real problem. So, I the world according possible. to Bob Osmussen here with us on Sports Talk. By the way, Nebraska is named their starting quarterback. Yes, no or, surprise. Casey, it turns out when you bring in a transfer from Texas, you may want to go ahead and start him. Uh, at least he will take the first rep, according to Coach oh, he's, Scott Frost. He's starting and playing the whole year if he doesn't get hurt. His dad was in pain in Nebraska's side years ago. <laughs> Charles Thompson was a great player at Oklahoma. So I think – Probably a little, there's a little like, for some of the fans there, it'll be like, oh my goodness, you know, get that guy on the field because I know his, knew his dad could play. <laughs> but Frost said he wouldn't be surprised if more than one quarterback plays. 
Why would you be surprised if one of the I think if you don't get hurt and you win some games, keep that guy in there. That's what he's done ever since he's been there is just constantly guy. play multiple yes. quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. Well, sometimes he had to because injury. That's true. So that's been a problem. But the old adage is if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> if you have three, you're dead. But Adrian, Adrian Martinez, as he can stay this year, I think that was, that was probably a good change for all involved. He'd probably have a good year there, but he was not. He was so turnover prone that he was a problem for them. I think this guy, well, hopefully for their sake, will be better. We'll see. Something we didn't get to, actually, I, I forgot to ask Jim Polson about it, but we, we saw uh, Jim Calipari last week mad about his practice facilities, you know, not being up to snuff. And, and it sounds like Wisconsin sees, you know, billions of dollars coming into the Big Ten, and they think that they're going to get they're going to get a, a new football facility. And, and I just keep for cut, practice and training. Right, right. Kind of similar to what they did over here. But it sounds like about 10 times as costly, something like $300 million. But I, I just wonder, uh, again, if Josh Whitman knew where this thing was headed as far as the media rights deal and what players needed. And, and, you would think. And they're, yeah. they're, Illinois is pretty well positioned here as that new influx of cash comes towards the Illini. It's funny, but it was constant because for a long time they were kind of had the curve. They had the nicest indoor deal than they, mm-hmm. over everybody. But that's, of course, everybody else, else builds, builds so you get a problem. But yeah, I think, I think they saw what was coming and I think they knew there would be more money on the way. The question is how they spend it, what they do with it. But I think Smith Center was a great idea. I talked mm-hmm. to Coach Bieleman the other day and said, what's the most pleasant surprise for you here? He said, by far, that place. Hmm. He just, he knew it was there, but until he got in there and started getting the guys working and realized, hey, how it's got everything and indeed also the convenience of where it is. And, you know, I think it would, you know, some of the past teams, if they had had this facility, they would have won more games. I really believe that because I think they would have spent more time working on it, hmm. which is crazy to say, but I do think that's real. They did it right. It, 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 right. What's also crazy is somebody's going to build one better, and it's hard oh, to imagine. Sure, quickly, one. probably already have. But th- Josh Whitman's approach has been: I will give you no excuse to not be uh, top programs, at least when it comes to facilities and and and, and everything. It's your hand. Illinois is going to always have that. Uh, it seems like it's, they're always going to have those issues getting all the players they want in. Because of academics always, or whatever. They were always, always behind in facilities forever. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that you're right. That's gone. You can't say that anymore. Now it's mm. now it's kind of uh, now the question is, if the coach isn't work is it working out? Then what do you do? Okay, if it's not it's not you're not progressing despite the fact that you've got all the, these things. Then what's your answer there? And I don't I don't know what the answer is. Mm-hmm. But Brilima has. Five or more years in his contract, I assume we'll get an extension probably this year if they do anything. So I think he's here for the long haul. I get that sense. All right. What are you working on for the weekend? Uh, more football. Mm. Really? More football. And Interesting. I'm writing Interesting about, choice. Of course. I'm writing about Andy Dixon for next Tuesday's uh, non-sports column. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Be- well, the one-time Wyoming cowboy, Correct. but cowboy star, I like to say, but he would probably refute that. But yes, <laughs> but then was also uh, worked in the football office, right? Forever, Th- almost thirty years. 
He was the equipment guy. Yep. And also a Champagne Central Legends. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he's a really good guy. I was actually not far from – I actually walked to his house to go interview him, which is kind of weird. <laughs> but good guy. Good guy. Some great pictures of him. Does he have any signs in his yard? He does. He has the right sign there. So <laughs> I will tell you that. Yeah. I shouldn't I, – I'm sorry, Andy, if I give that up. I think he said that on the air I a did. few weeks ago. Oh, I think he did. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think him and I are probably on the same page, although we both we, – we, both respect the idea. Not political science, mind you. This is about the central football right. team. But but just we to, both so. respect that people could have different ideas about it. Yeah. So, yep. But for my money, let them play, please. Welcome back to college football season, Bob. We'll talk again soon. All right. Thank mm-hmm. you. The world according to Bob and our friend Michael Martin rolls in as we talk about some more football, probably, when we come back. Hi, it's Len Casper. Tune in this weekend for White Sox Baseball on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. Funky Friday Sports Talk. We are ushering you into your weekend Saturday Sports Talk tomorrow morning. Alana Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Stephen Lauren at 9 a.m. Jay Lehman will also be on the show tomorrow. A week from tomorrow, Michael Martin will be standing on the sidelines of Zupke Field at Memorial Stadium for another season of Illini football. Y'all geared up, sir? I'm uh, I'm actually going through my game day bag uh, tomorrow, uh, getting all prepped and ready. Uh, get my sunscreen ready. Uh, get my headphones ready. You know, just be. Uh, you know, I'm a, I was a Boy Scout. Be prepared. You got to have that sunscreen. go bag ready. Yeah. You never know. Oh yeah, this is this, this is this will be season three on the sideline of the four years I've d- been doing uh, radio. So I have a system now. So we're yeah, we're, yeah, we're good. Yeah, you got the routine. That's right. Yeah, four years of radio, three on the sideline, and you've had maybe. Three of the most adventurous seasons oh, <laughs> to just, be in sports broadcasting. Yeah, wild. Uh, I mean, 2019's Wisconsin game and Michigan State game were crazy. Last year, obviously, Penn State uh, comes out. But hopefully I don't get a heat exhaustion like I did after the uh, Nebraska game last, last year. Make sure you hydrate, people. If you were in professional football as a long snapper, you would know, and it would be usually pretty public, the quarterback on your team would be getting paid a lot more money than you if you were a professional NFL long snapper, right? I mean, you'd be fine, but right? Let me ask you this. If pay for play comes down like they are expecting, I don't know how it would look, but what do you think that does? What would that do for you in your position? You Just you, Michael Martin, if everyone was getting paid and it wasn't equal or would you expect it in your mind to be equal, whatever that amount is? Because we're all in this together, or is, you know, would, would, would could you see resentment or anything brewing? Because well, that guy's getting paid more than me. That's not fair. Well, if everybody knows each other's bottom line, there's definitely um, some sort of resentment that could occur. I don't think as a long snapper, it it would be as prominent. Um, I'm more interested in like where do you stop paying players if that's what if that's what the model is going to be. Um, where do you stop? Is it your 85 scholarship guys, those are the guys that get paid, and anyone else, sorry, you're on your own, go get an NIL deal. Or do you do 85 and then your top 10 walk-ons? And I mean, I was a walk-on for four years and contributed two of those years um, in 2014 and 2015. I didn't get paid for that. I didn't get I didn't get scholarship for that, um, but I still contributed. So um, I'm interested to see how 
um, just it'll be interesting how it all shakes out because you are capped by 85 uh, scholarships right now. Do you expand that? Um, and I mean, it's interesting with this baseline NIL deal that, you know, people are uh, trying to put together is um, where at what point do you stop uh, your walk-ons? I think I heard um, 10, uh, your 10 top walk-ons should get paid. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what, where do you make that transition between oh well he played x amount of snaps or he made this amount of impact well do you just lose your your money if you have a bad year you get injured um i mean that's really getting into the weeds of it but uh, to answer your question uh i think from a long snapper perspective i mean you you kind of just you you know your place on the team you're a role player you have one job you're supposed to do it you're supposed to do it well um i think that higher up in the prominence of positions, there will be, um, there could be some jealousy amongst individual players, but, uh, right now we don't have to deal with that issue Mm -hmm. for now. I I would have figured long snappers were the biggest divas of the football team. So that's, (laughs) that's very surprising. Let me just say this on air persona. He's putting out there. Big personality, (laughs) you know, it just, you, you do the toughest job on the field. You're, you're right there in the middle of the line. No, no, I told, I'm I'm totally joking, but just, we haven't talked to you since camp opened. How are you feeling about this season? Have you been by any practices, anybody standing out from, from your limited viewing that you've got to see uh, before Wyoming next? Saturday I went to the uh the practice that was open to the media a few weeks ago um and it'll be interesting to to see how things shake out um you're replacing a lot of key role players as seniors um to me that will stick out on the offensive line uh but you know you got some highly touted guys that are slotted in and some guys like um like uh, Pilstrom, who's worked his butt off, started from a walk-on tight end, is now uh, presumably the starting center. Mm. Um, but there's a lot of experience that you're going to miss. Um, I'm I'm very interested to see what's going to happen with the specialists moving forward. Um, I don't think that they did particularly bad by any means, but, I mean, you are replacing some some key guys and uh it's funny aiden hall the presumable starting long snapper uh he and hugh robertson put together a uh they, they worked with the uh the uh visual people um over at illinois and they did a spoof of the other guys uh yes we were talking a movie poster <laughs> and i think that's so thematically appropriate just because they were the other guys for so long um and you know what uh you know, maybe they're peacocks. You got to let them fly. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> sorry. There you go. Now, you, now you've got to watch it. Scott's never seen it. Oh, okay. I've, uh, I've seen it once. Hardball, I've been uh, told to watch. Well, Hardball is way more serious than the other guys. Oh, okay. Well, I'm saying, well, we could have a double feature night. <laughs> Start with the comedy, though, I've learned. But to answer your question, it'll be interesting to see how things shake out. A um, lot of new faces. Um, that's just this day and age with the transfer portal and whatnot. Um, but I want to see, you know, competitive football starting out. Pick up where you left off um, and pick up uh, not necessarily where you left off offensively, maybe a little bit ahead of there. Um, but w- we will have to see. Um, I think once game time actually comes, we'll uh, – I think, yeah, we – we, the proof is in the pudding. We need to see the pudding, if you will. It feels like special teams 
for football always falls on a spectrum of, wow, this is a secret weapon for this team to the other end of a, please don't screw this up. Um, what impact, and I bring that up to say special teams is important and it can be something. What impact does having a former punter as your special teams coach for this season, unfortunately, Ben Miller uh, sidelined uh, with his health battle, but, sh- but Sean Snyder comes in, was a punter himself, also the son of a coaching legend, and has a scheme and, and, and all. What does that do to that room to have a guy that was a specialist? I mean, from a position group point of view, like he can he can walk the he can walk the walk and talk the talk because he's been there. Um, it's not just oh I'm a uh, like like when I was in school I had a tight ends coach who also happened to uh, be assigned the specialist. And um, he was he didn't know as much about the technical aspects or the mental aspects as um, a coach like Coach Schneider would have. So I think that's going to end up being very important um, because kicking is kicking and punting and snapping very much a mental game because, I mean, we've discussed it ad nauseum on the uh, on the program. You know, you get one play and then you have to marinate on how that play goes and you have to be able to move on whether it was the best punt of your life or the worst punt of your life or somewhere in between, you have to go on to the next one. And he's the type of guy that who's able to walk. He no, not only has the experience as a player, but as a coach to be able to walk through, hey, this is what you need to do. Hey, block it out. It's all right. Come on. Um, or, hey, heck of a punt. Let's go get it again. Um, so I think that that will be paramount. Schematically, um, I am interested to see what he brings to the table, uh, see what changes he made from uh, Coach Miller. Um, I think uh, from uh, a coordinator expe- perspective, can't talk today, clearly. Um, Warming up. Yeah. Uh, from uh, the perspective of coordinators, I think it's very important to have continuity over multiple years because guys know what to expect um, and coaches know what buttons to press. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of uh, wrinkles we see. Um, and uh, I think that hopefully we'll end up, you know, net positive. It sounds like reading between the lines in the return game, they want to shift. Would you say last year was a conservative approach, a catch it and don't drop ball kind of approach, just ball security approach versus let's try to do something here and, and maybe will we see something different? Yeah, I I think that um, if I'm recalling correctly, it was Donnie Navarro who was uh, back uh, mm-hmm. re- returning punts, um, and he was the type of guy that you you secure the ball, probably uh, probably make a fair catch, and um, that's your job. Um, he did at the very end of the year start getting a little bit more. Uh, I'm trying to think of an appropriate word. Uh, confident, assertive, aggressive. assertive, and aggressive. Um, and that um, I can't remember any specific uh, returns, but um, that's what I personally like to see: is trying trying to do something because you have an opportunity to, uh, you know, make a man miss, break a tackle, get a touchdown. Um, if Isaiah Williams is made, put in that slot. He's very, very dangerous in the open field, and that's exactly where you need Isaiah Williams. If you have a good blocking scheme um, and hold enough people up at the line and get him grass, oh, goodness, we could see some some fireworks. 
Uh, one more before we let you go. A lot of questions just kind of going into this year after all the veterans leave and, and, and new offensive coordinator. Just not really sure how things are going to transition. Inside the locker room, how do guys feel before they've played other teams? Are, are they thinking the same thing? Quiet confidence, but let's see how we stack up uh, against the other players. Do, do they need some kind of confirmation from the game itself to have a feeling of where the team is at? There's a need to be able to hit someone else and like not worry about hurting your teammate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these aren't these are, these guys aren't going out to hurt anybody. But um, a different color across from you is very important um, to just mentally. Okay, we're started. We're getting going. But ultimately, it comes down to the type of preparation that they're used to. Um, does it feel any different from last year? Um, how many question mark, like how confident are you as an individual in the guy next to you? Like Alex Palczewski, this is year seven, right? Or is it year six? Six. I mean, it's been a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Feels so like seven. He's going to have a PhD in OL, uh, OLP, uh, O-line pride. Um, so he, he's been around. He can, he can guide the guys, um, that are the other guys on that line. Hey, this is what we need to do. This is the expectation. And with the amount of mass and height that is being brought in to be that next generation that's going to be paramount their their work starts now um and that's obviously one of the reasons why he got brought back but um i think that the difference between confidence and cockiness will be really important but um getting that first play out of the way um it's going to be very very important um and i'm excited to see it uh next saturday mm-hmm. We got a boogie. That'll close up a funky Friday. White Sox are coming up. They are. See you guys really soon. Here we go. Look forward to it. WDWS Champaign-Urbana.